From activism to entertainment, health to nightlife, profiles and courage to travel, and so much more. This is the Jeff Hawker Show, LGBTQ news and lifestyle conversation for the Coachella Valley region. Here's Jeff Hawker. Hello, my LGBT friends and family. Welcome to the Jeff Hawker Show. Empowerment at the speed of sound. Also to our participating friend over here, John McMullen. How you doing today? Hello, sir. I'm good. Thank you. We are very excited about the Jeff Hawker Show, and we, we decided to make it an LGBT show because it's really important that the community is well represented here in the Coachella Valley online and through radio, through Facebook Live. You can see us on Facebook Live on the iHub Radio Facebook page. And also, if you go to iHubRadio.com, you can check out the entire schedule for iHub Radio. You can. And, and I know you update it very regularly and make yeah. sure that... We're going to have a big uh, update coming to that schedule that I think we finally got everything right in place, Jeff. And that's going to be on uh, Monday this week that we're going to make that change. And I think things will be pretty locked down until we probably get to the holidays, uh, you know, to the end of the year. And then, and, and so you can pretty much count on that. We've had a little bit of fine tuning we've had to do, but yeah. I'm really excited that we finally have, I mean, we've had a lot of LGBT hosts and a lot of LGBT guests Content, across our, yeah. our uh family of shows here over the last couple of years, but I'm glad we finally have a dedicated space to um, this important part of our community here in the Coachella Valley. So thanks for taking on that task. And I want to ev let everybody know that the Jeff Hawker show will be moving its live show to 9 a.m. on Saturdays, and then we'll have encore airings of the show at 5 p.m. on Sunday, 1 p.m. on Tuesday, and 1 a.m. on Wednesday. So All time specific. If you're up late, you can check us out. GMT minus seven for our <laughs> foreign friends that are listening. That's very hey, you'd be true. Surprised. There's more and more of them now. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about iHub Radio is we're all online, so you can listen to us, and you post the shows. We You can listen to us anytime. Yep. We also have the uh, podcast pages. Do you want me quickly to tell people how yeah, they can find those? Yeah, go for the podcast So every one of the shows has its own show page, and where you find that is there's a little menu box in the upper left-hand corner of our homepage at iHubRadio.com. Click on that, and from the pull-down menu there, one of the options is shows and you click on that and it gives you all the logos for all the shows you click on the show you want to go to and you go to that page and then at the bottom of each of those pages there's like a a big square button and it has the show logo with the iHub logo on it and you click on that and it takes you into the podcast for that show and i and think some of my delish dish Food and wine yep. shows are on there as yep, well. As well, yep, indeed. I want to let everybody know before we get into our guest today, October 23rd and 24th is the Desert AIDS Project Desert AIDS Walk. You can get information and register at desertaidswalk.org. If you want to form a team or you want to do a sponsorship, you can contact me at jeff.hawker at ihubradio.com uh, or give me a call, 760 409-1530. Very excited to have our guest back on the show today. Um, we, we've talked about a lot of different topics, and today I really wanted to get more in-depth with you, Brent, and really kind of 
kind of talk about your life and where you've come and how we can help people. You know, of course, right now, a lot of people are seeking help. And I think it's really important that you do ask for it when you need it. Our guest today is Brent Hines. He is a licensed professional counselor, life coach, and uh, like I said on our Facebook page, all around great guy. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing that's today? Kind of, that's, kind of a resound, that's kind of a resounding opinion. That's, that's <laughs> the sweet of you. Uh, can you get a little closer to your microphone so we can, we cranked up the mic on this end. Yeah, sure. No there, problem. There yeah, you go. Using, there you are. Using, yeah, I was going to say, using, using technology in the land of COVID. Well, well, we are. We just recently moved our studio, and, uh, you know, it's technology changes, but uh, John is so good at making sure that everything just sounds right. And now, because we do the Facebook Live, you can see us online. No, Absolutely. Well, and that, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because we've we've traded in person, um, and some of us lived online. I mean, as far as chatting and meeting people, but but now it's the option that we have for the most part. So we're we're doing Zoom and we're doing you know Facebook Live and we're doing all these other things, um, which which may be okay for some and really frustrating for others. Well, what I thought was really cool is when I posted that you were going to be on the show. Uh, your mom responded. <laughs> I love her. T- yeah. Tell us about your mom and where you came from. Okay, you know what? what I, actually, to tell you, just one of the most horrific things is my mother on Facebook. Um, because I, she, my mom's amazing. And I, I can really attribute a lot of who I am to my mom in those early years. Um, she taught, she really taught me how to be resilient and how to take situations that were difficult and kind of suck it up Um and, and just do the best job that you can, because that's the, that's the, the facts that you have. Um, so she's back in Colorado, where I grew up most of my life. And, oh, what, what part? My brother uh, lives in Aurora, oh. and my nephews oh, yeah. live in Littleton. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we were south. Um, grew up in Pittsburgh, and then we moved to Pueblo, which is uh, from one steel town to another. So it's a little steel town uh, two hours south of Denver. So it was, yeah, it was it was a huge culture shock. Wasn't Pueblo um, one of the cities oh. that the Pony Express was became popular? You know, I didn't do well in U.S. history. Honestly, I was focused <laughs> on other things. But um, actually, for those old people, um, I, I'll say like us, um, that's where the consumer mail catalog used to go. Yeah, right. actually, had to write in, and they would. So that was the big like clearinghouse thing. But yeah, yeah there was a and big processing centers. And, they generally yeah, they generally so. put those kind of places, uh, kind of uh, you know processing places in areas that don't have a lot of weather, and Pueblo is one right. of that place. It get, uh, probably got a little bit of snow there, but they don't have tornadoes and earthquakes and all that kind no, of stuff. No, no, it's a high desert. Yeah. So it's great. Um, you know, and then growing uh, growing up there, it was kind of it was kind of sheltered, um, and you know, honestly, growing up. You know, I knew I was gay from probably, I didn't know how to phrase it, but I knew probably when I was about five, you know, so kind of growing up in a in a smaller town and not really having access to a lot of kind of forward thinking things. You know, I wasn't living in New York or San Francisco or Chicago. Um, yeah, so growing up was difficult as it is for most of us. And um, then I moved to the big city of Colorado Springs, which was a little bit north. And then eventually I moved to Denver as well. So... Well, and Colorado yeah, Springs yeah. was known as a place that was not accepting. 
No, absolutely not. Um, super. A, a while ago, they had they had um, a bunch of legal things that they did to make it very um, attractive to nonprofits. Um, a lot of tax breaks, a lot of things like that. And so a lot of these religious organizations went, wow, this is great. We can set up shop. Um, so I, per capita, I believe Colorado Springs had one of the highest um, churches and, and religious um, type of organizations in, hate, in, hate in groups. most cities. <laughs> the highest oh, concentration well, of hate groups. <laughs> you know, I mean, the cool thing is, I mean, it was the first time that I heard of Unitarian churches and um, affirming churches. So that was... That was really cool because I usually, well, you know, okay. So honestly, like my mom, my mom's side of the family is Jewish and Judaism historically um, hasn't been super hateful, which is fantastic. Um, they, they've usually been the ones that have been hated on. So, um, so many of the times that um, growing up, um, Judaism for me was kind of affirming in that way. Um, my family wasn't, wasn't super conservative, but they weren't really liberal either. So you know, um, but there were definitely some laws in Colorado. We had something called Amendment 2 um, right. that was actually passed in um, 1992, 1993 that allowed um, companies and organizations to discriminate against somebody because they were gay. Um, you could be fired. You could be um, you could be kicked out of your apartment, um, not given a job. Um, and that was around the time that I was about ready to come out to my family. And I remember conversations around the dinner table, and I was like, wow, I don't feel safe right now. So I kind of, I let it ride for a few years. When did you actually come out? Um, or was it, was there a process or just like, I'm going to do it? Um, yeah, yeah, like with most of us, it started with friends and stuff like that. Uh, I told my little sister and then um, I asked my mom to go out for lunch. So I figured, I figured she was going to freak out. Then she couldn't freak out that badly in public. Um, yeah, so we went out for Chinese food. Um, and it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, you know, and, and after we kind of came to, um, you know, understandings between each other and talked it out and my mom realized that, you know, nothing about my sexuality had to do with how I was raised or anything that she had done wrong or whatever. Um, I think the acceptance happened relatively fast after that. Except maybe oh, singing all the show tunes when you were like eight years old. Oh no. Oh my God, no! I was, I was, no! I was the weird goth kid. I, you know, I was always wearing black, like I still do. I, I am ninety percent of my wardrobe is black. Yeah. Uh, no, I was always doing stupid, sh- like like doing my hair and like shaving half of it, and you know, whatever. It was terrible. The mo- the mohawk <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I mean, I mean, you know me. I mean, I, I still kind of. I still kind of rock that appearance, so yeah. you know, things don't change. <laughs> no, it looks good. It looks good on you. I had an interesting conversation with my dad the other day. Actually, two members of my extended family members um, just came out, both women, um, one, 18, mm. one 19 and the other one um, about 15. And so we started talking. My, my parents were always pretty accepting. Uh, I pretty much just told them I was gay when I was about 15, but it wasn't a problem because I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area and it wasn't like I needed to come out. Um, but he, he asked me, he goes, when did you start knowing? And I said, well, probably about eight years old. And and for me, it I didn't know what those feelings were, but I remember I was the understudy in the show Oliver and the guy who played Fagin 
was this handsome man with a full beard and I re- and, and he was just very engaging and I we worked a lot of scenes together and I just remember looking at him and being intrigued and I didn't really understand what that meant till later there there was feelings oh. rumbling inside and that was it oh yeah well it's funny I don't think I mean in, in certain generations I don't think we're raised to know or to have these conversations about what actually being part of the LGBTQ community looks like. And so a lot of times when you, when you're talking to people and you go, so how old were you when you knew? It's kind of like, well, I, I always kind of knew, but I didn't necessarily yeah. know what it was. Right. Um, it's funny when I, when I've done some trainings for um, therapists and mental health workers and behavioral health people um, and they're pr- it's primarily a straight crowd. Um, and I talked to them about how to work with, people who are gay by trans, whatever. And it's like, um, so I was like, so who identifies as straight? And, you know, all these people raise their hands. And I'm like, so how old were you when you realized that you were attracted to someone of the opposite sex? And they're like, well, I always did. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> well, and then you know, when you like dig a little did. deeper, they're probably having those feelings or the inclination to be attracted to the same sex as well. We're talking with Brent oh, sure. Hines. He is a licensed professional counselor and a composer. We'll talk about that later in the show. And uh, all about empowerment and dating and sex and all kinds of great things. And uh, you're listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. The Jeff Hawker Show, casting a brilliant rainbow of diversity on iHub Radio. Now, here's Jeff. Welcome back, everyone. You know, I, I have a copy of Redefining Normal, which is Brent's first book. And I, when I opened it, you know, I wanted to go back and read what you had re- inscribed on there. And you... You put to my brother in empowerment, and it was so awesome that our tagline for the show is empowerment at the speed of sound, and we we think so much alike. I mean, when you and I start talking, we just we're engaged, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about empowerment and what that means to you, and then how you help other people find it. That's, that's a, it's a tall order. You yeah, know, it's, it's, it's tough. All about, yeah. Well, it's funny because we're all, you know, I think we're all in some ways just looking to be as happy and successful and peaceful as we can be. Um, unfortunately, some of us don't know what that really feels like. And it's hard to describe to somebody. Um, I, re- I remember being a, being a kiddo and, you know, and seeing counselors for different things. And, um, you know, I always had these, I always had these counselors going, you need to have more self-esteem. You need to have more confidence. You need to feel better about yourself. And I'm like, okay, um, that, that sounds fantastic. Like, um, how, how the hell am I supposed to do that? Yeah. And it was very conceptual, you know? Well, can we, I stop you there for a second? Because sure. this, this is something that really always gets under my craw. Because they always told us 
have more self-esteem, but they never said have more self-worth. And and I think it's very confusing to young kids on discerning what those two mean. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's semantics because I, you know, I, there's definitely times when I don't necessarily know the difference either. You know, self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence. It's amazing how they're really all intertwined. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. Um, so I, just, I mean, thinking about, like, conversations we have, what were some of, like, the biggest things for you? I, I struggled with self-worth when I was growing up. So I turned to alcohol and partying, which, you know, I went to the party capital school of the San Francisco area was San Mateo High. And I mean, okay. you could get anything you wanted at any time. And I loved it. I mean, you know, I had a wide variety of different friends and we just sort of medicated our way through high school. When I graduated high school, I was like, how did I even pass? <laughs> I, I don't remember actually any of my teachers and what I studied, but somehow I made good grades. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I, it wasn't until, you know, probably my early 20s that I started to really sit down and figure out who I was as a person. Yeah. Well, it's hard when you start thinking about, you know, what are you supposed to do? you know, growing up, you're supposed to, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? You have to figure out what you want to do in college. You, you know, when you're growing up, you figure out what kind of music you like, um, the kind of people you're attracted to, um, kind of things that, that you value in yourself and in other people. So this whole idea that you do this, then in the context of being gay, just adds another layer of, of difficulty. It's hard enough for everyone. I mean, humans really struggle in general just with trying to figure out who they are and what they're all about. So, I mean, that part's not unusual. That's just a human thing. Um, you know, but then you add the, the, the being terrified about an internal um, desire that you have, not just to have sex with someone of the same sex, but, you know, to engage with and to spend time with and have that be part of your identity that makes you question even more because, you know, to be who you are is seen as kind of an unsafe thing to do. Um, and a lot of people, unfortunately, never recover fully from that. Um, it's just not something that you experience in the formative years. It's, it's something that it can happen, you know, in your 40s, 50s, 80s, you know. That probably kind of ties in, you know, they talk about midlife crisis where let's say somebody's been at the same job for 20 to 30 years and all of a sudden they're like, oh, who am I? You know, right. and, and where do I want to go from here? And, uh-huh. you know, I, I've experienced some of that. You know, I, I've had my own business now for about 16 years. And I look around at my life and people around me, and I feel relatively happy and content. But there are moments when I have extreme fear and anxiety surrounding that, which I never really had before. I was always like, yeah, yeah, going along life, you know, this opportunity came along, doing that, having fun doing it, and traveled, and and then all of a sudden, you get a little older, you slow down, and you start looking back, which I think it's okay to look back a little bit, right? But I think too much overanalyzing your past, I think, can be detrimental if, you know, 
if you oh, folk, if you don't look at the present and the future. Absolutely, I think it's I think it's a healthy balance between past, present, and future. But yeah, I, well, we'll get into that. I've got some ideas about that for you. Okay, that sounds good. We when we come back, we're going to talk about changing patterns and kind of you know, and and I'm I, I'm taking excerpts from his book Redefining Normal. Brent Hines, he's our licensed professional counselor and always great having him on the show. You're listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. Live from Palm Springs, the desert cities A to Z on LGBTQ. This is the Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. On the show today, we have Brent Hines, who's a licensed professional counselor. Your book, Redefining Normal, A Modern Gay Man's Guide to Happy and Healthy Living. This is your first edition, and then you did a second one. Number two. Correct. Yeah, I, I've been writing for a magazine called Outfront for 11 years, and they started me on this whole writing path. Um, I've been a therapist for a long time and a leather guy, and they were like, you'll be really funny if you if you wrote kind of a, a self-help column that was kind of provocative, um, and originally it was called Dear Daddy, so I thought that was kind of cheesy. Um, but the editor at the time was like, wait, your last name is Hines. So why don't we do something called um, hindsight? Kind of like hindsight. And I was like, well, that's cute. So You're like yeah, the so Carrie Bradshaw of the gay world. <laughs> I don't know. I, I You know, <laughs> well, I'm a little ADHD too. So I, I just like a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, you know Jeff. The, yes. Uh, <laughs> right? No. So the, the first book is the first hundred articles that I wrote, but expanded. And then the second book is the second hundred. And it covers everything from sex to relationships to dating, mental health, self-improvement, yeah, tips and tricks. And one of Brent's forwards in uh, one of the books is actually written by one of my best friends when I lived in San Francisco, uh, which yeah. now makes me really want to read it. Race Bannon is such a great guy. and He's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, he's one of those people that is kind of um, life-changing and life-impacting to so many people. Um people that haven't taken the time to either get to know him or read some of his writing or see some of his public speaking. He's absolutely amazing. He's somebody um, I don't know. Really, I usually know everybody. Uh, oh my God. He's oh my like God. a, a no. God in the leather community. And, and he actually, when we took uh gay BC radio and merged with planet out for a couple of years in San Francisco, he came in and did a leather show each week for us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, he's amazing. And it was really funny. It was a chance meeting too. I had, I had heard his name. I had no idea what he looked like. And I was in San Francisco seeing a friend, um, went to Spike's Coffee to get coffee. I, I saw this this handsome dude sitting with two other handsome dudes. I went over and said hi, started talking. I was like, oh, by the way, my name is Brent Hines. He goes, oh, hey, I'm Race Bandit. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's too it was, funny. It was funny. 
Oh, that was great. And then, yeah, it kind of started our friendship. So he's, um, no, he's amazing. Um, and it's such an honor to have him write the forward to the book. Um, yeah. So it was funny. So Jeff, you were asking about past, present, and future. And I think one of the things to keep in mind is that you can't get stuck in any of them. And so if you get stuck in the past, you're not living for today. Um, if you're not looking to the future, you're probably going to run into a wall somewhere. And if you're always dreaming about future stuff, you're not actually working your butt off to make something happen today. So I think it's really important to kind of have like, have, I don't know, like areas of, of focus in each of those. Um, but any, any, do you, you have know, any like tips more, or tricks on how to do that? Um, you know, it, it can definitely be hard because when you're, when you're in kind of a remorseful period of your life or feeling badly about something, you're going to be in the past because you're going to be remembering all that stuff. Um, so it's really important in those things to kind of counteract that, to be able to focus on what's good today. And maybe if you did mess something up in the past, how in the future you can avoid those kind of pitfalls again. Well, and so, especially yeah. during this period of time, I mean, I've lost, I don't know, eight or nine friends this year so far. And one of the things that I always share with them is, you know, for, I can always speak from my experience is, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you focus on all the wonderful moments that you spent with whoever you've lost and make sure you be in the moment and you grieve and, and do it grieve as long as you possibly need to. Um, but then, but then come back from that, you know, and I, and I I always say, I'll be there for you when you need me to be your support. Um, but you know, for instance, like my, my dog passed away about a year and a half ago. I had never in my life cried that much. I, I don't know why, but I just, it did. It just flowed like hysterical crying. And, you know, I, it's important for people to experience that. Crying is very cathartic. Mm-hmm. It can be. Well, it, it, like you said, I mean, take the time that it takes. Um, you know, people can absolutely get stuck, though, in that grief. Um, so, you know, I, I, there's some people that want to go through it as quickly as possible. Um, on the other extreme, there are people that decide this is where they want to live for the rest of their lives. Yeah, um, and I don't think either either one is necessarily necessarily healthy. Um, you know, it, it's about you know having the experience to grieve, but then also like getting the support you need to help um, change it from this sadness that 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 the person isn't there or your pet isn't there to going to like you said remembering these good things and and why life is so important that you live every day because you you never know when it's going to be over. Um, so it, it can be tough though, especially when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this year, now this you year, I'm bummed out talking about your puppy. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you know what? I've been, I've been looking and I always am firm believer that, you know, when the timing is right, you know, your animal will find you. But, uh, you know, this year has been especially tough and it, if you've already set some of those patterns in motion before COVID, any, any, how, how do you change those patterns and get out of them? Because it's just sort of and, amplifying them. Oh, absolutely. Well, and keep in mind that COVID has really caused many of us to grieve a lot of things. I mean, maybe we've actually lost some people either through um, other causes in addition to COVID or whatever. But um, a lot of times, like we're looking at, at 2020 is this year where we've, we have to grieve so many things. Um, 
you know, in Palm Springs, one of the, the things that most of us have is, is an active social life. Um, and, you know, but you can grieve, you know, people have missed out on trips, vacations, um, seeing family and friends. Um, you know, you talk about death and dying. Um, there, there, there are people that have families in nursing homes or have passed that we're not allowed to go to funerals or to say our goodbyes. And, and that's so challenging because, you know, here we are grieving um, almost like this period of time in addition to people. Um, so there is, there's a lot of sadness, a lot of anxiety right now. Um, that's why, honestly, there's, I mean, there's so much mental health that's popping up. There's um, domestic violence, there's alcohol and drug use. Um, there's a lot of compulsive things going on um, and a lot of misery, unfortunately. Speaking of that, we're talking with Brent Hines, who's um, a licensed professional counselor. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, so actually, I have a website um, for both the, my life coaching and the book and all that stuff. It is um, actually BeginTheShift.org. Um, begin the shift. I thought it was because um, we we all I think have a perspective about things. Um, sometimes we just have to shift around our perspective to see something in a different way. Um, so it's not like through life coaching and, and and writing these columns and stuff. Do I actually make somebody do something? It's really about empowering and encouraging somebody to um, to see their lives in, with different possibilities. Um, so yeah. So begin the shift dot org. You can definitely get a hold of me. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of fun. You know what? I never really thought, you know, we started talking about just growing up and, and what I what I really struggled with. I really never thought I'd be a 45-year-old dude living in Palm Springs feeling powerful and loved and happy and fulfilled. Um, it, it's bizarre. Like, if you would have told the 10 or 20 or even 30-year-old me that this would be my life, I would have, I would have probably laughed with all my eyes. Well, I, <laughs> that's interesting you say that because I moved here from San Francisco when I was about 35. And at that point, I thought I was retired because I was in the high-tech industry pre-IPO. And then our stock plummeted. So I was like, oh, man, now I have to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I have to work. Uh I have to work. Um, but at that point, um, Palm Springs was just known as the grays and gays. And, right. you know, so I was like, okay, now what? And But, you know, it, it, Palm Springs has become, it's really been rejuvenated and has become, you know, a place that everybody wants to visit. And, and I'm happy to say that I was part of that. You know, I worked for the Palm Springs Bureau of Tourism for four years, and we brought a lot of airlines and stuff into the area. But I, I think still, I mean, there is a retirement feeling to it. A lot of people are retired, um, but I think that's a good thing. I mean, there's a good mix. People feel good about where they are in their life because they come to Palm Springs by choice. You know, it's not a place that people are moving for work and stuff like that. They actively say, I want to be there. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because when, when people, this is kind of a, like a friendly place to be as well. I had a friend visiting from San Diego who was like, so I don't get a feeling that it's it's a lot of standoffishness and stuff here. And I'm like, no, I think a lot of times people come here because they've done that. They've they've lived in this world where, you know, they have to have all of these, like, you know, behaviors that are acceptable and whatever. 
And you get to Palm Springs, and it's supposed to be laid back, and you, you sit by a pool, and you chill out. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, no, no culture has to be standoffish and pretentious. Um, but I definitely don't feel that here. It's, it's, it's definitely pleasant. I'd love it. I, I, I can't imagine any other place I'd rather be. Really? That's good to hear. No. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think some people, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of the times people, um, I deal with this a lot when people talk about cliques and, you know, I, I think like cultures are very standoffish and very cliquish. It's like, well, you know, I mean, we all like who we like. Um, sometimes we just have to kind of step outside where we're comfortable and go up to people and say hi. Because um, if there's a group of like six or seven people talking, yeah, they're kind of a clique. But it doesn't mean they're this, like, impenetrable fortress. You know, sometimes just going up and smiling and, you know, making eye contact and waving and going over and starting a conversation with one of the people could be really good. Yeah. Um, so. Well, but for somebody like you that's flirtatious, that's a little bit easier. <laughs> if you're a little bit more shy like me. <laughs> you know, uh, trust me, it's been, it's been a process. Um, about 15 years ago, I really started working on this. And not that many people out here know me from back then, but if you knew any of my friends from 15 or 20 years ago, they would tell you that this is a true statement. Um, I was super timid, really shy, really awkward. You know, I've had, I've had weight issues all my life. I've had self-esteem issues all my life. And probably about 30, 31 years of age, I decided that I really wanted to try to start being more social. And it was, it was weird. It took me about a year and a half to kind of work on talking to people but after that, you talk to people, people are nice, and then they invite you to do things, and you make more friends, and that makes you a little more confident. Um, so I realized that I was, I was the limiting factor, um, which, which is funny because that's kind of one of the big reasons why I started writing was because I had done all this work, and I'm like, wow, it, maybe some of my experiences could, could help to empower other people, and, and they have. That's been really cool. That, that was exactly the question I was going to ask you. You're very good at <laughs> these interviews. You know, <laughs> helping, so you know, and, and, and that was my thing, too. At some point, I just realized I wanted to help other people. And we want to use this platform in this show to really do that. And that's why it's important to have guests like you on the show. So in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about dating and sex. But also, we want to talk about your composing and Probe 7. We're talking okay. with Bre we're talking with Brent Hines, and you're listening to the Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. The Jeff Hawker Show, casting a brilliant rainbow of diversity on iHub Radio. Now, here's Jeff. We're in conversation with Brent Hines, licensed professional counselor, all-around great guy, as I said before, but also a composer and... Uh, well, you know, uh, earlier we had talked about, I, I didn't realize you didn't sing. I guess you kind of like 
hum and do some other things. <laughs> well, and you've got enhanced. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've got enhanced sound when you guys do shows and stuff like that. You have tracks. Oh yeah, totally. So oh, totally. Oh yeah. So I I didn't realize you didn't sing. I mean, you and I have worked together. You know, on you've performed at Halloween, and I've seen you at a, a million other different shows. Um, but <laughs> so the joke was anywhere that more than 10 people gathered probe seven would be playing. I was like, ouch. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> <like>, whatever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you still there? Well, so, yeah. oh, 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 he, John wants me to ask you to pull the microphone closer to your mouth. There you go. All right. There we go. Hey. There you go. More oral. See, you know, if I was in the studio, you could just like smack me. I, I probably right, would. Come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 Lord knows. At, at some point, <laughs> at some point, we'll have people in the studio, but we're just really trying to still kind of distance and, you know, do the right Absolutely. thing, as it were. Of course. So, of course. So, we've got we've got about six or seven minutes left to the show. I wanted to get in a little bit about, because it's one of the things is your expertise is dating and sexuality as it relates to LGBT people. Do you, when you counsel, do you counsel both men and women? Um, yeah, I, I really stick to, to gay men as much as possible. Um, I, I figure that that's a large enough population that I have specialty in. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest issue, the expert on issues affecting, um, you know, straight guys or straight women. It, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, there are, tons of, there are tons of super qualified, amazing therapists and coaches out there. Um, but one of, honestly, I think one of the, the most underutilized um, populations are gay men. And I think it's for a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, I mean, we're guys, so that gives us, like, the man rules of we don't ask for help. And, you know, we're, we're tough and we don't cry and we don't do all this stuff. Um, so it causes us to not want to reach out. And then with the gay stuff, like we talked about before, there's all of these extra layers of shame and guilt and unhappiness. Um, so, yeah, I really focus on I really focus on gay men as much as possible. Um, but it's um, it's 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 really interesting. I've been a therapist in Colorado for a, a zillion years and I'm in the final stages of getting my license in California. Um, hopefully in the next in the next month. So I'll be licensed in two states. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> I know, right? Do you still do um, you still counsel people in Colorado? Yeah, we're doing a lot of telemedicine and stuff. Yeah. Um, and and you know, having the ability to do life coaching out here has been has been fantastic because I can still work with people on things about improving their lives and, and helping them get on a really good path. Um, and, and, you know, and still be able to do stuff like, like you and I are talking about, um, a lot of these kind of social groups and um, educational workshops and stuff. So it's been a blast. I've had a really good time. So it seems like in, in a time of COVID, you know, what I've seen is like social shaming. Do you, do you find that people oh, are, are having some issues like going on dates and kind of being around other people? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know people that, well, so I mean, let's be honest. We like, we all know people that are, are still partying it up and still hooking up and still doing a lot of things, um, having, having parties and, and that's their prerogative. And I can't necessarily shame them for doing that. Um, it's not, it's not for me. 
um, I'm, I'm definitely on the on the safer end of things. Um, but even at that, a lot of us have felt so isolated. Now it's going on over six months right. that we've created little bubbles of people that we consider safe. And I think those kind of things are really important. So, um, but you're talking about the social shaming. Um, absolutely. I think there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, we can get together five or six people, come over, we'll hang out in the pool, we'll have dinner together. Um, no pictures posted on social media because I don't want the backlash. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how people have the, they think in their minds the freedom to kind of say whatever they want on, uh, online. Um, it's kind of frustrating. But, well, um, and for people like us, you know, that are no, known people in the community, you know, I think about that every time I post things on social media, uh, how it's going to be perceived and, you know, how many people are in the picture and all that kind of stuff, you know, because there are pictures where we don't, we're not wearing masks. And so I don't want to have like 15 people in the picture, you know, but you know, I've been around different family members recently and, and I'm always thinking about it. Right. What is, it's funny that we have to worry about um, some kind of backlash because of what we, excuse me, what we may post online. Um, But I think there are a lot of people that are are scared of that. There's almost like a, a political correctness police force that's out there that, you know, um, you know, it's funny. I, if somebody says something I don't agree with, I generally kind of let it go. But there are absolutely those people that think it's their moral responsibility to really call somebody out or to become really aggressive online. Um, I honestly just tend to use my energy towards other things. Like you said before, exactly. I mean, I've got a zillion things going on in my life. I don't really have that much energy to devote to a, a, a war with somebody. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, whatever. me either. <laughs> I don't have time. No. You know, in most of relationships, oh. most of relationships I've been in, I always up front, I always say, I do not argue and I do not fight. You know, it's like if we have a challenging situation, we talk about it, you know, because I've right. been in some very turbulent relationships where it was violent. One of them became very violent and I just will not go there again. And no, I, I don't blame you. I think people need to establish that before they date. Oh, absolutely. We, it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about how when you're evaluating somebody to date or have a relationship with, sometimes it's not about this, how you get along when things are good. It's about how you get along when things are challenging or rough. Because that that's the biggest determinant if it's going to be a healthy relationship. Or, or like you said, I mean, maybe it could get violent. It could get aggressive. Um, you know, I want I want people in my life that I know will have my back if things get tough. Right. Um, not run away or punch me in the head. So, <laughs> or, or just avoid the situation, which oh, a lot sure, of absolutely. a lot of people are. In, it's about avoidance. Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of people. I mean, based on their experiences, um, may run. You know, it's you know if that's how they were raised or they've been through trauma. Yeah, I can totally see that. So, oh, closing yeah. thought, and then give us the contact information again. Oh sure. Oh, closing thought. You know what? I I love I love being in a community where, like, I have radio exists, and, and and people like you guys are are doing programming for people, and it's obviously because you care. Yeah. Um, so this is great. I I love being here. I love being part of this, and I love that you keep on calling me, Jeff. Brent. Brent. You know. <laughs> and how do people get a hold of you? Um, begintheshift.org. Begintheshift.org. Oh. 
Thanks for coming on the show today, Brett. You've been amazing. We'll have you back. You've been listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. And check us out on iHubRadio.com. <laughs>